On today's episode of Big Bash Banter, we congratulate Australia on making it through to the semi-final of the Women's World Cup. Will South Africa join them? Find out if they choke on next week's episode. But until then, we talk about Australian <coughs> India's Test Series, the WNCL Final, the history of the St George's Cricket Ground, and Maurice may not be with us for much longer, as she's just indicated through that dreadful cough. Let's get into it. <laughs> it was a choke. Dirty, don't do that. That is. Ex- you go. We did, to upload the pod, you've got to tick like the explicit content <laughs> box. And I that's think it, that's ticked it. I almost need a second one yeah. for that. There's explicit, then there's whatever the hell that was. Filthy. <laughs> explicit <laughs> and filthy. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to season two, episode five of Big Bash Banter. We're in the middle of a great women's T20 World Cup tournament and I'm here as always with the wisdom of wisdom, Maurice, you've obviously spent all day watching the fourth day of the test between Australia and India. How has it been? It's been a tight, tight match. Um, I'm really looking forward to Cummins being president the next one. Oh, <laughs> no, we do wish him all the best. I understand there's a family illness which he's come back to Australia to attend to, um, but he says he'll be back for the third test. So, Yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, that, that joke there about it being day four, do you think that was worthy of recycling from last week or, or, or should I have just left it there? No, I think that was good. I mean, obviously, my initial joke about day five of creation was better mm. than what I've just come up with here tonight. Um, but no, I think that's fine. It's been a pretty poor performance, hasn't it? It's been... It's worth noting. Well, it, it's poor, poorer. Poorer. It's even worse than the first test because we were in a real position... At times, we were on top in this test match. Uh, well, one run ahead at the beginning of second innings. So, y- yes, it's not like it was a belting from the beginning like before. And then one for what was it fifty odd over, overnight as well, <sighs> and then just folded like a cheap suit. But and this is the other thing is you want to say because obviously India played well, but then that's what I want to say. I want to say India played really well and just outplayed Australia. Yes, but. How many LBWs? How many sweeps and cross shots for a ball that was never there for that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it looked, it, it felt like watching New Zealand play in the World Cup. It was just poor shot selection, poor fielding selection. Yeah, and we'll get to New Zealand in the World Cup because they finally seem to have woken up, but albeit, maybe too late. Mm. I say maybe. Because that's contingent on how South Africa performs, and we'll get there when we get there, Maurice. One thing I did want to raise with you about the Australia India Test match. So, again, folks, if you're tuning in for the first time, we are a Perth Scorchers WBBL pod, but we also follow the men's team. Ashton Agar was selected for this tour of India, flew over there, and you think, okay, he's not going to start in front of line, but he's next in. Mm. So, no, Murphy comes in, all right. 
Murphy adds something different. Obviously, he did well, very well in the first test. Yeah. And then they fly, was it Kuhneman? Yeah. He wasn't even on the team, and mm. they fly him out from Australia there. Why do they bother wasting Agar's time? Was it mm. just to weaken the WA team? What's, what's the situation? Oof. <laughs> Oof. Is that fraud? Is, what's that? <laughs> well, I, I don't think, you know, generally, I mean, I don't know who's on the selection panel. Panel. Let's just assume it's just stacked with Sydney-siders like everything else in Australian cricket. Mm. Wouldn't put it past them. I hadn't actually thought... Uh, maybe I'm naive, but I hadn't thought of it. But, I mean, if they're not going to play him, what, what was the fucking boy? Why? Why bring him over there? Why waste the time? But also Lance Morris, because he also... He wasn't available for the final. So they're taking, what, our two best? I'll tell you what, that reminds me. We'll get to some news about Lance Morris. In fact, shall we jump into the news? Do it. A big milestone for Indian spinner Deepti Sharma as she becomes the first Indian international to reach 100 T20 international wickets. In other milestones... Pakistan's Maniba Ali has become the first centurion for Pakistan in a women's T20 international. And it's another milestone for New Zealand legend Susie Bates as she crosses the 1,000 run mark in T20 World Cup matches and also becomes only the third player to score 9,000 international runs in women's cricket. Sri Lankan cricket has tripled the match fee for women's internationals and also introduced a winning bonus. In WNCL news, the final will be played this Saturday between South Australia and Tasmania. And in men's cricket news, congratulations to Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, who together have now claimed 1,009 test wickets, surpassing the previous best by the combination of Warren McGrath, who previously held the record of 1,001 wickets. In other men's cricketing news, India is now number one in all three formats of the game, <coughs> tests, one days and T20 internationals. And finally, in Scorchers news, Lance Morris has signed a two-year extension. It was a glitch, I think. What was a glitch? I, I don't think India is number one in the test. So well, I, I saw it tweeted, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> and and Maurice, we are working very hard to to uh, to give something to our Indian listeners because my goodness, they have strapped this pod to their backs and are carrying it. They really are. I, I, I if I could express the way I feel about Indians, wow. How good are they? How good are they? For the pure love of, of cricket. I mean, cricket is religion for them, isn't it? Well, it must be, because you'd have, <laughs> you'd have to be a person of deep faith to download and listen to this pod, I can tell you that Oh, much. yeah. Which actually reminds me, I, I heard something... Well, it doesn't matter, actually. It's not even mildly relevant to what we're talking about. Um, but it made me think how grateful I am for the Indian listeners. Um, Go on. Well, it was on the Ticket podcast. Tracy was talking to, I don't know what his name is or what he does, but he was talking about um, the impact of the WPL and how the IPL is the second most, basically makes the most money, biggest deal in the whole world after the Super Bowl, which is massive comparatively because it runs for three months compared to like the Indian English Premier League, which runs for like forever. Um, And then I got thinking... Ash Gardner's got $558,000 yeah. for a three-week tournament. Three weeks. Three weeks. 
I mean, a Supreme Court justice makes that for a year. That's um, and some may say that's overpaid. Yeah, well, most I'd say. Um, so I hope she takes some wickets. <laughs> oh, she, she'll be great, Ash Gardner. WPL will be held in India in March, obviously, which in India is exam season for schools. And sounds like the biggest contingent of match attendance and, and watch um, figures is that school age, uni age um, component of the population. And the IPL is held in the summer school holidays. So it'll be interesting to see if that has an effect on how many people turn up to the matches. Yeah, based on everything we've seen to date, in terms of how the Indian um, cricket community has got around the women's game, I expect them to be very well attended. Mm. And also based on the fact that there's only five teams, which means you've just got such a concentration of talent. 24 matches, though. Yeah, yeah. That's all you've got. Yeah, that's all. It's a, it's a small it's a, it's a small tournament. Yeah. With the best, at least in terms of the marquee players, international players, um, and obviously there's a, a very good group of Indian players mm. there. I think they're going to get around it. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Well, before we get there, though, it's been Women's World Cup season. Now, very briefly, folks, if you're not familiar with the Women's World Cup, which is currently underway in South Africa, how it works is there's 10 teams split into two groups. Well, each team in the group plays each other once, and then the top two people from each group make it to the semi-finals. So right now we have Australia at the top of one group, and it's either New Zealand or South Africa that will join them. South Africa to play tomorrow morning, and they will be playing either India or England, who are the leading teams in that first group. Now, I think India and England are guaranteed to go through. Now, I was having a look at it earlier today. I don't think they can be... I don't think they can be knocked off from those top spots, can they? India and England? No, I did see something about people saying, oh, India shouldn't worry, it's not all over yet. Well, they're playing Ireland, I think, tonight, India, so you wouldn't have thought that'll give them any group. Yeah, exactly. I think it's... Well, the way I read it was the top of Group A versus the second of Group B, and the top of Group B versus the second of Group A. So this is the equation for South Africa. All they have to do is beat Bangladesh to make it into the semi-final, and that's despite the poor start, all right? But I think Wasteman summed it up best when he said, all the Proteas have to do is beat a team that's never won a World Cup game to secure a semi-final in their home tournament. So they have to not choke. Maurice, I thought my very fair... (laughs) My very fair response to that was, well, when you put it like that, they've got no chance. I don't like this at all. I, I don't like the casual racism that's happening here. Oh, 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 oh. I tell you what, it's called Big Bash Band and not Big Bash fucking politely bow. <laughs> Look, the thing is, like I've been like I've been setting this conversation up from the very fucking beginning. We're playing this with Atlas Ali. <laughs> 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 Go and complete the trilogy without, in 6 Van der Kirk. Yes, <laughs> well, and also Debrea. So there you go. If we lose, it's because they weren't there. If we win, it's because, um, you know, we've just got such spirit and gumption. That's right. <laughs> so they're facing Bangladesh tomorrow morning. 
I know this is the, oh, Bangladesh have never won, Bangladesh this, Bangladesh that, but they are a bogey side. They have had, no, don't, don't do that. It's true. It might have been the men version of Bangladesh, but they have upset some big, they've beaten Australia before, you know. In you, the men's game? Yeah. yeah. You, can, you cannot underestimate them. And they've got proper good talent in their side. I mean, if you look at Jotty or um, on, Marufa, we... what? Well, well, hang on a minute. I'm not underestimating Bangladesh. Well, you're saying we're going to choke. We might actually just be outplayed. <laughs> I think that's putting it a little bit too highly. You're giving me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying exactly? Just say it to me up front. South Africa should win this game. Is all I'm saying. Why? Because they're a better team. Are they? Yes. They've won their last... Uh, Bangladesh haven't won a game at this tournament yet. South Africa have won two. Are they a better team or have they Oh, just... sorry. South Africa have won one. Not two. One. I really hope we win two. And I really hope we don't choke. And I'm having flashbacks to T20 World Cup when... All A.B. de Villiers had to do was collect the ball and hit the stumps and he dropped the ball and we lost the final. Yeah. And I cried like a baby. I cried in front of family and friends and mm. children and I couldn't explain why I was crying but it was just a real... Like I can't... The disappointment in my soul for yeah. my hero yeah. couldn't overcome the final scene, the final act, the last over. It was just crushing... So I'm, I'm scarred. I know, and that's fair. And I don't want to have hope because I don't want to be hurt again, Jared. Oh, you're hitting that table again, Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the table's fault. But no, you're right. And we see it at the most recent World Cup where South Africa, with, and we're talking about the Men's World Cup, where they're the informed team. All they have to do is beat the Netherlands to get into the finals, and they lose. Let's be positive here. They have the Perth Scorchers own Marazan cap. Is me saying that being very positive about Marazan Cap, or is that putting too much pressure on her? Because she hasn't looked like she's enjoying this tournament I so much. I don't think you could put more pressure on her than she puts on herself. I think in her own mind she's thinking she's going to win the whole cup for the country on her own back. And you might think that's arrogant, but I think it's just it just shows what the culture is like in South Africa. For this stage, for sport, it's, it's literally like going into war. You've got your whole culture, your whole family, your whole country, your whole everything on your back, and it's up to you to show that you're worthy of it, that you can do it. And she just embodies that. She's she's all of that. She's not there for accolades. She's not there for fame. She just wants to show that we're good enough. And it's all over her face all the time. And I think that's fine. She might not be laughing. She might not be joking around, but... I think she's getting out of it fulfilment, which is, if you can get that in your day job, why not? Sure. No, I, I respect her desire to win. I just hope she's not taking too much of that pressure on herself because that's a like you said last, you said last week. It's a it's a lot of pressure to carry. It is, but I hope she doesn't look at it as winning. I hope she looks at it as we did everything. Like we left everything out there. Yeah. We played well. We took our chances. Well, they did leave everything out, namely their best players. I put her in the box at least How have you found that? Quite good Except And I don't know if you noticed this When she took Just, just who are we talking about here? We haven't mentioned her name yet 
Oh, we're talking about Marsan Cap's wife, of course, Danae Vanikerk. When she... Notice why I strategically got you to pronounce the last name. <laughs> <laughs> and the first name. Well, um, Danae's not so hard. <laughs> well, you did say Dane. In fact, you said Dane Vanderkirk. Uh, it's just great to be wrong in so many ways. <laughs> Especially in front of me. I love it. Mm. Um, anyway, so she was commentating when Cup was doing, was bowling against Australia, which was an amazing match, by the way. Incredible, except for the bit where we started collapsing and choking. But Cup takes... So she takes Perry's wicket. And then either, either at Perry's wicket or at Mooney's wicket, whichever one was second... Her mic just goes dead. And you know, you know she can't put on air what she's saying. She's just so happy for, mm-hmm. for Cap, for what she's done. And in, in that moment, it looked like South Africa could still get up. Yeah. Like if Cap was in that form, despite the title, despite her not getting out for a duck and that, it was just that hope thing. And the crowd. How about the crowd? Yeah. Without a doubt... The star of this World Cup has been the crowd and the band. Let, let's get into the band um, because I have been absolutely staggered by people, and again, people are whinge about anything on, on, on social media, but people saying that they're not enjoying the coverage because of the noise of the band. This isn't just mindless sound. This is, it's an atmosphere. It's, 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 it's a, a tournament. It's a part of the country. Like, it's... It's great. It lifts the mood. It, it adds so much to the games. I've been really enjoying it. And if you, if you pay any attention to the pictures during the band, the whole crowd is dancing. The whole crowd is singing along. There's kids dancing. You don't see that in Australian crowds. The, the whole crowd is on its feet. There's nobody sitting down. There's nobody long-faced. There's, it's just... There's nobody asleep, for Christ's sake. It is such an atmosphere and it has been so much fun to see cricket so well received, women's cricket so well received, in a country and a culture where it was traditionally not accepted. You wouldn't have people celebrating women doing something that makes them look like they're gay. Like it's just, it's been so refreshing. I've really, really, I've been proud. I've been really proud of the turnout of the reception, and of the band. And what I don't think a lot of people realise is, so we talked about this a little bit before, about um, St George's Park, which is where these matches are being played, which I think is the first time they have been played at St George's for women. Yeah? Do you know how to pronounce the name of the, I believe it's the suburb, the, the, the word that starts the city. with GQ? Right. So this is another bit, a little bit of the, of the history. So this... Town, city, whatever, was originally called Port Elizabeth, um, which is where my mum's family's from. My mum's from the East Cape and, and did all her study and growing up there um, in Queenstown. And what the interesting part about the interesting thing about this part of South Africa is, it's a um, what do you call it? It's a it's a dry winter climate, so all the rain in that area comes in summer. So you have hot days and about five o'clock you've got clouds rolling in, you've got summer rains for the evening. And in winter it's all snow. It's ice cold. And, and I don't know, obviously a lot of people don't think snow when they think of South Africa, especially not Cape Town. But that's how it is. So 
It's originally called Port Elizabeth. It's um, in the bay. There it was it was a major port when the Portuguese and um, the English and whoever first started arriving. And the the river that would lead from the bay into Port Elizabeth was called the Barkins River. And that river, in the name of the sand people or the the Koza people, is called this name that now the city has been renamed. I think it was in 2019. It was part of a movement to rename um, colonised cities, streets, whatever, into what they were in the beginning or something that reflects that. And when in the beginning, I mean before colonisation. So the interesting thing about the Koza languages, and I've even said that wrong, Koza, is it's it's got a series of clicks. You might know it as the clicking language. Yes. So they've got three letters that make a click. So it's an X, a C, and a Q. And each of these clicks is slightly different. So the X makes a click like like that, like like if you giddy upping a horse. And the C makes a click like a ticking clock, so it's like that. And um, the Q makes a click like in this name, like like a deeper click. So you'd say, um, and then the H is a noise for some reason, which is very odd to me because that's more the um, the Dutch, Dutch influence. Yeah. yeah. So you do the so the G is basically like a like a nasally quiet. Um, sound, and then the Q is the the deep in the in the mouth, and then you go bercha. So it's bercha. Why did I say koza wrong before? It should be koza. I know all I know all sound and all words are just sounds. I like all, you know when we talk, we're just making sounds with our mouth. Yes. But to have the clicks and the different clicks, I mean that's that's who thought of that? That's that's so fucking exciting for me. Like. Let's just work different fucking clicks into our language. Anyway, so that's that's a little bit about that, uh, about the name of Port Elizabeth being changed. Um, the park itself, St George's Park, we talked about before, is the oldest cricket ground in all of South Africa. And it was the first cricket ground where there was a test match played outside of either Australia or England. And I think it was 1889. Wow, okay. If I'm not wrong. Which then got me thinking again. That's early. But how fucked up is history, right? Yeah. So it's 1889. Mm. In a quiet suburb in South Africa, there's a test match going on. At the same time, in Whitechapel, fucking Jack the Ripper is knocking about. Yeah. It's the same time. Mm. It's like you can't hold the two ideas in your head at the same time. Anyway, yeah, so 1889 was the first time a test match was played outside either Australia or England, and it was in St George's Park, and I think it was between South Africa and England. But so that's sort of the history with St George's Park. And then the, the brass band, not, it wasn't from the very beginning of that time, but it was soon after um, sort of slave trade happened in, in South Africa that the band started. And the significance of the brass band is that in Cape Town, and I don't know, I think they're called the... Minstrel Carnival, something like that, um, in English. And in Afrikaans, it's called Kapsa Klopsa. And it's basically different groups of brass bands from um, more black communities who 
compete. So they do a parade and each band walks down the main street and plays their version of the brass songs, whatever. And then they all congregate in the park and they have the competition to see which band's the best. Um, but this was traditionally held on the 2nd of January, which was called the Second New Year. And that was the only day off that black people had when they were slaves. So on New Year's Day, the 1st of January, all the slave traders, whatever, the white people would be ill and that would be their down day from, from New Year's Eve. And then the following day they would give to the black people and they would take up their instruments. And whether it, <laughs> whether, whether it was a form of... Not the right word is... If your neighbour plays loud music the night before and they're having a party and the next day you know they've got a hangover and you start playing your music. <laughs> Whether it was that, I don't know. But all the communities would take up their instruments and whatever and they'd play. And the point is that it is loud and it's, it's dancing and it's community and it's in your face. And this, I think, is the concept of the St George's Band, um, Brass Band. So when you, when you think of it in context of its history and um, what it's saying... I think it gives such a unique element to watching a cricket game in St George's Park in, in, in um, PE or whatever. And so I can, under, I can understand that it's maybe not your traditional cricket vibe and um, we're talking about the English. Hmm. But if you think about the different characteristics of different sides at different grounds in different cities and different co- countries all over the world... I think that isn't that the special thing about international sport that everything has its own character. Absolutely, and I think even more than that, it's the T Twenty game, right? So this is it the... is a party. It is supposed yeah. to be fun. It fits the theme perfectly. Yeah, I I just think I think it's a bit ignorant just to sit there and say, "Oh, can you turn that racket down? Yeah. Can you just just think about it? Let yourself go for a minute. Have fun. Spot the tune. Have a dance." Well, that was the most offensive thing. People were likening it to the. World Cup that South Africa hosted oh, with the Vuvuzelas, and it's like this isn't a bunch of people mindlessly blowing on it. It's not a racket. No, it's no. a. They're actual songs. It's. it's oh. <laughs> Anyways, I could harp on about it more, but I was just staggered that people would be whinging about people with talent playing entertaining music yeah. to bring life, atmosphere, and history to what has been a great sporting event. Yeah, and it's it, it, like I said, it's the first time a women's international has been held at that ground, mm. which is steeped in history for men. It's been there since 1889. It's a momentous time. And my favourite thing about the band, Maurice, what? they were repping the podcast. Did you notice that? No. They're all dressed oh, they're in orange. Or- yeah, <laughs> they're all in orange. <laughs> Even the kids at that, uh, that primary school that was there dancing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, influence runs deep, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, look, thanks very much for, for going into that. That's, that's, it's a fascinating history of both the language and the area. And we've been going through this really throughout our podcast is delving a little bit deeper, peeling back the layers of South African um, culture and how cricket fits into that. That was, a really, that was really cool. So thanks for going through that, Maurice. That was, that was interesting. So shall we actually talk some, uh, dare I say it, cricket? <laughs> If you're ready. Yeah, go on. All right. So, <coughs> as we've said, Australia already through to the semi-final and they got there through victories. Since we've been away, 
against Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and South Africa. Starting with the victory over Bangladesh, the only thing I want to mention out of that game is, and I want to thank you, mm. because on the last week's podcast, you said there, look out for Marufa. Mm. Um, she's she's a, a really she's a fast bowler from um, Bangladesh. For those who aren't familiar, eighteen and, years old. Yes, and after you said that, I went and watched a, a mini, so it was a half an hour short of the Bangladesh game against Sri Lanka, where I think she took three wickets. Yeah, just the fire, the passion, the skill. Yeah, it was like holy shit. Yeah, like this is a young cricketer. Yeah. That is going to be something. And there's no hesitation in her. There's no, I can't, maybe I can't do this. She just knows that she, what she has to do. She knows her capabilities. And, and she just steams in. And I, and I think a few people are making, maybe even Perry was making fun of the way that she <laughs> runs in. But Christ, how good is it to watch that? Yeah, how good is it, the conviction awesome. in her face when she's running in and she's just sure of exactly what she's going to do and how it's going to turn out? I mean, it's, it's exciting. And I love that. Yeah, so do I. I love the confidence. Now, in the end, Bangladesh defeated by Australia, but yeah, Marufa did get the wicket of Mooney. Yeah, and it was a bloody good one too. I mean, it was a, it was a good ball and it was a good catch, and it, it got rid of one of the best players in the world. But it was there was no doubt in her face that she was going to get Mooney. I, I was I'm, I'm really impressed, by, and it makes me upset that Tess Lintoff is not on the Australian side, or is not picked in any of the WBPL, WBPL, WPL teams because she, for me, is the closest I can get in the young Australian side uh, and also Litchfield. It's uh, that real confidence and that it's not even just hunger, it's drive, you know, like pure drive. Like I'm going to apply my trade and I'm going to be good at it and if I'm not, I'm going to keep going until I am good at it. I love that. I wish we, I wish we could see that come out now. But maybe it's the next World Cup. Bright future ahead, and we'll see how she goes uh, tomorrow morning against um, South Africa by the time this pod comes out. Hopefully the, she's the shit. The world will know. <laughs> yeah, 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 that one, that one time. <laughs> and then we went on against uh, Sri Lanka. So that was an interesting game just because of the fact that the run chase was just so authoritative, Healy and Mooney combining. Mm. And worryingly for the rest of this competition... Mooney in the runs for the first time in this tournament. And this is what I was saying to you as well. Is I, I don't think she was out of the runs before because of lack of form. Yeah. It was it was genuinely good bowling and fielding from the other sides. She wasn't playing dumb shots. She wasn't doing anything silly. It was just... It would get anybody out. So, yeah, I, I'm happy to... I wasn't happy to see her back against South Africa, but I'm happy to see her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that stood out about that Sri Lanka game was, well, first of all, Georgia Wera made a return, mm. and that kind of fed into the greater theme from that game, which mm. was Australia's spin bowling mm. just took the game away from South... Oh, from South Africa. Took the game away from, from Sri Lanka. South Lanka. <laughs> Every time it looked like Sri Lanka... Well, early on, Sri Lanka were batting quite well. Um, ultimately... Their best player, Adipadu, was out, caught off, caught by Grace Harris with an amazing diving catch. The best catch. catch so far of the whole tournament. And the best memes that we've seen <laughs> so far. If you haven't done so already, go onto our uh, Facebook page, Big Bash Banter. Marisa's put together a wonderful diving catch. 
I think it's uh, Grace Harris's What Superman flying next to the plane there. Something like that. There's no cape, but she's got the pose. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't need a cape. No. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but that was a fantastic catch. Um, and, of course, Grace and Harris. And she knew it. Bloody Grace Harris knows it when oh, she's done something great. Yeah, she knows it. And she got so fucking cocky, she took the next couple of overs bowling as well. Yep. And wickets. Yep. That was pretty much the exception because that catch was off Perry's bowling, mm. who's, of course, a... What would, call, would, would you call Perry a medium? Yeah, I would. Um, Average. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. No. Well, she's a great soccer player, but... <laughs> Shocked you. I, I, look, You've gone pale. I just, I don't know what to say. <laughs> just trying to think like that old joke about, you know, Ringo. Ringo Starr, that's what I'm thinking of, right? The Beatles, mm. right? And they ask, they ask, and fucking, I don't know, Paul McCartney or John Lennon, one of the smart asses, like, oh, hey, Ringo, do you think Ringo's the best drummer in the world? And then Ringo goes, oh, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. It's, <laughs> it's a bit like Elise Perry right now. Because you can say, oh, do you think Elise, Elise Perry's the best cricketer in the world? Well, she's not the best cricketer in the Australian team. Ash Gardner no. is right now. She is. There's half a million dollars to prove that. <laughs> Jesus. For three weeks. Half a million dollars for three weeks. I don't know if we've said that before. But fuck me. Elise Perry is such a good cricketer. She, well, she's the best soccer player in the whole cricket team. That's for fucking sure. She's not the best hockey player, but she's the best cricket soccer it's, player. It's, Anyways, so that was that game. Uh, but, yeah, Australia's spin bowling, that's what impressed me mm. because you've got, let's say, Wareham, King, Harris, Gardner. They're the main ones. And mm. obviously feeding in around that in this game were um, Shoot, Perry and Brown. Mm. Brown only bowled one over. So the spin bowling got it done mm. for Australia in this game. Spin really has been doing it uh, on that ground, which is unusual because I didn't think the spin... I thought it would be more bouncy. But what we've seen is it's, and what we saw at the previous ground, the ground they were playing at before, they were expecting a more bouncy pitch um, and they were expecting more seamers to, to, to make a difference. Um, but as we know, it stayed low and slow. The, the spinners are, are having a much bigger impact than was initially anticipated. And it feels to me like the teams just aren't making the ad- adaptations. Like New Zealand, with their two shocking losses... The shots they were playing, it's like they were, they were told, hit it into the stands no matter what comes towards you. And what was coming towards them was bending all around their legs and going straight at the pads near the ankle. Like it was just, it was never there to hit, but they were trying. The same, the same as what the Australian men's team has done now in India. It's, don't play those shots. Don't sweep. Don't try to reverse sweep. It's not there. And I said to you this before as well, it's just like my uncle used to always say, you can't play a straight ball with a crooked bat. Don't try to sweep it. Just drive. If it's straight in front of you, keep your bat straight, drive, block. Yep. That's, that's it. For the, for the short one that goes slightly wide, yeah, go for it. Whack it over wherever the fuck you want. But if it's, if it's a full ball straight at you, hit it straight. And it's like New Zealand never caught on and the Australian men never caught on. It was, it was the, the couple of losses that New Zealand had, I was properly worried for them. Yeah, and that, well, they've obviously come back and recovered. They absolutely thumped Sri Lanka. That was probably the worst defeat of the tournament, mm. defeating them by 102 runs. And they also defeated Bangladesh. 
again a heavy defeat, but it was despite that too little, too late. Yeah. Probably. Pro- well, we'll see. I'm gonna have to relate it to, to rugby again. To another another thing my uncle used to say. So there was a time, there was a moment in time, where the Italian rugby union team lost to the Springboks by upwards of a hundred points. Really? Hundred to nothing. When was this? 1999 in Durban. 101 to nil. <laughs> and for those that don't follow rugby, that's bad. <laughs> it's not football. That's bad. And, and so my uncle's telling me this story and he's talking about the tries here and there. And Italy's just dumbstruck. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. And he says, to be honest, they were lucky to get nil. You can say what you want about that, man. But when it came to sport, you knew. You're lucky to get nil if you get nil. And if you try and hit a full low ball into the stands, you're playing a straight ball with a crooked bat. You can't do it. (laughs) Cheers to that, eh? final game that sees Australia through to the semi-final is their victory over South Africa. Maurice, I don't want to say too much about this match because I don't know how you're going to react, so you tell me about it's it. It's not like I'm violent. You can just say it. Just put put the brick down, Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, no, look, this game was, again, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, when Tasman Brits was batting, it felt like with Laura Volvart, it felt like we were in good stead to make good runs and have a good competitive total. I don't know how much Tasman got up to. Was it 60-something? 45. So about 60. <laughs> <laughs> so when she got out, I thought, oh, shit, this looks like a collapse. And it, you would think, why would you think that? It's only one wicket. But if you know anything about South African cricket, you know that's the sign of a collapse. Volvart got out. It was one for 54. Then it was cap at two for Two for 70. Yeah. Cap, Brits, Tryon, 70, Tryon was a fucking duck, and she should not have been a duck. In my back of my mind, I was banking on at least 30 runs from her. Yeah. And, and off, like, 10 balls. But that was three wickets for sort of seven runs. So yeah. that was where... That was it. Capitulated. Yeah. yeah. So that was very disappointing. But then when Cap started bowling, it was like, okay, well, maybe there's still a chance. So, you know, she took Mooney and Perry. But then that was about it. I think it was only four wickets. That's right. Four for 125, chasing down South Africa's total of 124 in only 16.3 overs. The damage done at the, well, the top of the order a little bit by Mooney, but really down uh, further by Talia McGrath. And this is where you look at this Australian batting lineup. And let's say Australia was to have a bad day, Mm. right? And it's just like, okay, so Mooney, Perry, Lanning and Gardner fail. The two next bat- batters in are Talia McGrath and Grace Harris. <laughs> it's just, it's an absolute murderer's row of, yeah. of batting. Yeah. Like, good luck. And, and that leaves Wareham, Sutherland, King, Shoot, Brown to come into bat. Interestingly enough about this game, Sutherland came in as a direct replacement for Healy, who yeah. was out again yeah. injured. What was that no, about? No, I have no fucking idea, and she didn't show us why either. I, I, I don't understand why we keep pushing her. It seems like she's getting so many chances, and 
so much faith is put in her to do well. It's like there's some sort of divine... It's like there's been some sort of fucking prophecy and people cannot move on from the fact that this woman is supposed to be something special and they're going to keep pushing until it becomes an actuality. And I just think she's taking up space at the moment. She's not better than Tess or, or Litchfield. She's not. No. And if anything, she's damaging. I don't, I don't, I'm not... In the beginning, I thought, yeah, she looks like she's going to be a good prospect, but fuck, she hasn't performed. And she hasn't shown great aptitude in the field in, with the ball or with the bat. So why, why is she there? Why does she keep getting picked? Maybe she's a good person. Maybe that's enough. She is 21 years old, so maybe they're... This is a question I had for you, Maurice, and we've kind of covered now Australia's journey through the World Cup, so we can just throw to shooting the shit, so to speak. Mm. I'm interested in the next World Cup because how much longer does Perry, Mm. Lanning, Mm. Healy Mm. have to go in this team? Okay. Lanning, I think, is probably numbered. I think she's had enough. I think that she's shown that, that she... You know, with the time she needed to take out to remember why she wanted to do it. I don't know if she'll be here for the next World Cup. Perry seems ageless to me. I don't see her retiring. I, I, I think she's one of those, you know, she'll have to be carried off in a wheelchair before she's done. We've got to wrap things up today. We've been going for quite some time. We hope you've enjoyed the pod today. Stay tuned this weekend for the big WNCL final between Tasmania and South Australia. Before we go, Maurice, quick update. We did a Rate the Sign segment last week. Mm-hmm. There was different uh, signs from Australian fans had made. One of them was Healy, you're a keeper, Aslalia, Perry, and one of them was Stan Ng Lanning. Mm-hmm. I found out what standing means. Because at the time we thought it was short for standing, like outstanding. Outstanding, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but no, apparently, you remember that uh, Eminem song, Stan? And the song Stan is basically a series of letters being penned by a fanatic, fa- fanatical fan yeah. to uh, the, the artist, right? And eventually he kills himself. But basically <laughs> st- st- standing has become a general slang term for an, uh, an obsessed fan, basically. I had no idea. So standing Lanning is I'm really obsessed with Meg Lanning. Now, who thought of this? Well, I mentioned it to Ruth because I thought, what does standing mean? And she told me that it's probably that Eminem song. And then I Googled it and Google confirmed that. So it's a thing. And that's all we have time for today on Season 2, Episode 5 of Big Bash Banter. We'll be back next week sometime. Stay tuned on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, at Big Bash Banter. If you want Jared to reply, tweet. Yes. If you want me to reply, post. On on Facebook. And, uh, look, I'm hoping both Marufa Bowlswell tomorrow morning and South Africa wins, not only for your, your sake, Maurice, but my sake as well. Um, but also... All of our sakes. What makes a World Cup better than the host nation getting into the finals? Like, let's go. Come on, South Africa. Get up them. Yes. And let's have a South Africa... Eng- uh, not England. It's the other team. South, Af- South Africa, Australia <laughs> final. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Edit. Jared. Jared, edit this. What did you think of the outro last week? I can explain how the money works. They should have. They <laughs> should have said one this is this many this is. Did you figure out in the end how much Marissa no! actually went for? No, I got no fucking idea. I tell you, it was probably about a billion rand. 
which is ten dollars a spread. <laughs>